This podcast is sponsored by third-party logistics provider Kane is Able, who works with consumer goods manufacturers and their retail customers to get products to market faster and for less anywhere in the country. Kane provides solutions for labor management, warehousing and distribution, contract packaging and transportation, both asset-based and brokered. Kane improves logistics efficiency for a variety of companies, including food companies that require temperature-controlled storage and transportation. And now, on to the podcast. E-commerce buyers want their stuff, and they want it now. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. more of this two-day service or even overnight. Now we're talking same-day delivery. Of course, the logistics of making that happen are hugely complex. But that hasn't stopped e-tailers, retailers, and service providers from jumping into the game. Google, Amazon, and eBay are joining FedEx and UPS as potentially major players in same-day delivery. Even the U.S. Postal Service wants in. So what does it take to make it happen? My guest today is Steve Banker, Service Director of Supply Chain Management with ARC Advisory Group. He gives us a snapshot of the market today, sorts out the providers, and offers his view on what shape same day is likely to take, including the potential winners and losers in a business with big rewards and big risks. So here is my conversation with Steve Banker. Steve Banker, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Bob. The issue of same-day delivery is really an interesting one. It doesn't seem to be a huge deal right now, but there seems to be quite a bright future. What in your, where, in your opinion, are we now uh, with regard to same-day delivery in various cities and locations? Well, I, th- I think you're right. I think uh, I think it's something with a bright future, but right now we're in pilot stages. So Amazon's doing pilots and. Uh, other folks are trying it out. Some some brick and mortar retailers are experimenting with courier com- companies. Um, but right now, um, you're, you're quite right. There's been no widespread rollout of this. All right. So, who are the big players, or if you could use the word "big" at all? But who are the players in this in this sector right now? Uh, Amazon's doing some of it. I believe I remember Macy's was experimenting with it. There's a uh, an eBay company called uh, Shuttle. Um, that is working with various um, UK-based retailers um, in London for this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eBay just acquired Shuttle this year, right? That's correct. Yeah, and then uh, Google, 
I, I think they're running about 50 Priuses around San Francisco right now. Is that something like that? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think you're right on that. I think I remember reading that, but I'm sure uh, you've got examples of it that I don't, Bob. Yeah, so but it, feel free to throw them out there. Well, I mean, I just hear, you know, the the usual players, of course, FedEx and UPS uh, already have some kind of service and are in, interested in expanding it. And now we're hearing that the U.S. Postal Service has its eyes on the uh, same day market as well. So, so I yeah, hear. no, I've been uh, I've been hearing that as well. So what I'm I'm hearing is, you know, they've got all those those mail delivery trucks. And so uh, there are some some folks interested in experimenting with doing deliveries at night uh, when that capacity is not being used. What is holding it back so far? Why has it not yet reached its potential? Well, I mean, right now, what we mainly have is a parcel model. So uh, if you order from Amazon, they tell you they're going to deliver in two or three or four days. Um, they're working on thousands of orders simultaneously. They're filling up a UPS, FedEx truck. Those trucks go back to um, a hub, and all those items come out. They get sorted. They get um, loaded into different trucks that do that last-mile delivery. So that's a, that's a low-cost model, um, but it is not uh, a same-day model. So same-day is going to be more expensive. And uh, retailers have to figure out uh, if they can make money um, doing that. Certainly there seems to be a, at least a sentiment or a demand for it of a certain number of population out there who really would like to get things the same day. Of course, the question is, are they willing to pay for it? Do we see that out there? I, I think there's a few thoughts I have around it. So first of all, um, Amazon did an interesting study. And they did a an, uh, study with Amazon Prime customers in certain metro areas. And they found that merely displaying an icon touting same-day availability increased conversions by 20 to 25%. In other words, 20 to 25% shopping carts, more, less shopping carts were abandoned. But uh, interestingly, of those Amazon shoppers that saw the icon and then they went ahead and made a purchase, most of them ended up not paying that additional fee uh, for next day delivery or for the same day delivery, opting instead for next day delivery. So that's sort of uh, one one thing that I think is driving the pure e fulfillment guys. Uh, I think the the thinking among the bricks and mortars guys is they they look at that Amazon parcel model um, and they understand that Amazon can't build a uh, enough distribution centers in metro areas to really allow them to do the same day well, whereas they have stores, often multiple stores, in each of those metropolitan areas. And so their thinking is, you know, Amazon's been stealing market share for, from us for, for years and years. And, uh, you know, here's an opportunity where there's a certain niche of customers, and I don't think anyone knows how big it is yet, um, where we can do something Amazon can't and maybe stop that bleeding. So it becomes the stores themselves become the distribution centers. They'll be shipping directly from the stores to their customers. That, that's, uh, that's absolutely correct. And I think I, I've sort of ignored a question. The other question that you asked was uh, around pricing of this, right? And so... If you're going from parcel deliveries to shuttle, shuttle is going to a courier kind of service, 
where a courier comes to the store, picks up an item, delivers something uh, you know that's in proximity to the store, then maybe goes to a different store for the same retailer, picks something else up and delivers it. You know, you're, we're not talking about the same kind of volumes, and so prices are higher. So there is this idea out there that we need to do some demand shaping. So uh, there's a, a software supplier called Descartes that has a routing solution, and it's being used in interesting ways over the UK, uh, in the U.K., which is probably the number one market for same-day deliveries or for quick deliveries right now. And what they do is they, they combine that routing with demand shaping. So they, they sort of show uh, open slots when goods could be delivered. But if you, uh, and if you pick one of those spots, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, between 3 and 4 p.m., maybe the cost is $5. But if you want to do it in a prime slot, like between 6 and 7 p.m. at night, uh, when everyone gets home, maybe they charge $25. And so the idea is, you know, time definite deliveries within a particular window. Um, but if you want the really hot windows, you're going to have to pay more. This is getting complicated. It's not just the question of one fee gets you same-day delivery. It might have to do with time of day, as you say. It, it, it's going to have to do with time of day and the capacity of that network and demand shaping and really clever routing software. I wonder if we might even be getting into this concept of surge pricing, which we're starting to see in uh, kind of taxi, sort of uh, independent taxi services, especially around San Francisco, where you, you pay even more for a particular time of the year or time of the day or time when demand is high. I don't even, I don't know, but that, is that even a possibility that it could get that complicated? I think that's exactly what we're talking about right now. I, I think uh, demand shaping is uh, exactly that idea of we've got so much capacity, and if, if there's a limited amount of capacity, if you want it, you have to pay more in peak periods. Yeah. But let's take Macy's for an example because you cited that retailer. Would Macy's find it economically feasible to have its own trucks and own delivery people moving from the stores out to residences, or would they rely on a third-party courier service to do that for them, or is that not settled yet? You know, it's an interesting question, right? And I think there's different models being discussed, so I'll, I'll sort of take you through some of the different models and, and how I'm thinking about them. I think the first thing to say, though, is that for certain product types, we already are not only doing same-day delivery, uh, we're not only we're doing delivery within half an hour. So if I want to order a pizza... Uh, they'll come and get it to me within half an hour. If it's longer than half an hour, I get pretty irritated. And, you know, what they're doing is they're hiring local kids, and the kids use their cars, and they make the deliveries, and they get a tip. And so we've got uh, a market that is tens of billions of dollars big based on very quick service. So that is certainly one model that could be used. Um, there's also um, the idea that uh, a retailer could have some of their own assets. And, but then you get into the question of how to position those. They could be small trucks. They could be you know, even cars. How do you position them? And so then we're getting into something we call the paratransit model. So um, paratransit is, is basically what's happening um, with public transport. 
um, in, in all the big cities in the U.S., there's, there's subways, and they get a lot of money from the federal government. But the federal government says you also have to take care of, um, you know, the handicapped. And so what they've done is they've gotten, uh, you know, buses and the uh, little shuttle buses, and the shuttle buses will pick people up and they'll deliver them. But uh, what, what they've had to do is a kind of routing where they look ahead at where the demand is going to be in the next day, and they pre-position the assets. So it may be that I, as a driver, park my car in a certain place, and there's a truck there, and I make my deliveries, and, and um, then I leave the truck in a different public parking lot in the city, and another paratransit comes and picks me up and delivers me back to, uh, back to my starting location where my car is. Um, so there, um, there's, a, there's a company called Fresh Start Logistics that was really big uh, in paratransit, and now they're trying to apply that kind of routing to this model and trying to get that off the ground. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a second model. Um, the third model is courier model, but the courier model, I think, is going to come in some different flavors. So one is, you know, I hire a courier, company and they do it for me or maybe i hire someone like uh, shuttle that ebay company and they work with a variety of um, uh, of courier companies and they do the service for me and they charge me but just like there is a logistics industry that has sprung up around e-fulfillment i think there's going to be sort of a a courier business around e-fulfillment as well and I think what we're going to see is um, the, ne- the need to plan likely demand for deliveries in different sections of the city and combine demand planning and routing and do those deliveries. And to make that happen, you're going to need courier companies that are working with several retailers uh, in a metro area because as you aggregate demand, that demand gets more, more accurate. Hey, I want to take a moment to tell you about Kane is Able, our podcast sponsor. Kane is Able delivers logistics solutions that are specially designed for consumer goods companies and their retail customers. Kane attacks the key drivers of inefficiency in the retail supply chain. To address high labor costs, Kane's innovative workforce management solution spikes labor efficiency 10 to 20 percent while improving performance. To bring down final delivery costs, Kane's Retail Consolidation Solution combines your freight with other Kane customers to slash those delivery costs 20 to 35%. And to address your need for a flexible, adaptive distribution capability, Kane's Coast to Coast network of shared distribution campuses provides the infrastructure you need while paying only for the space and services your volumes require. Whether your need is distribution, Packaging or transportation, remember, Kane is able. And now, back to the podcast.
it sounds like your intelligence has to extend almost to a street by street basis. You really got to intimately know a city and, and what are the logistical challenges of that part of the city? What are the potential demand that might be coming from that, right? Uh, that's I think that's that's where it's going. There's a company called Quintic that's uh, a routing company out of um, Europe, and I can't take credit for this thinking. This is a thinking that has come out of Quintic, but th- their idea is this: uh, we've got history of what's been delivered. So you start with a routing engine, and you say, uh, uh, "I knew that uh, I have delivered to Bob Smith in this neighborhood in the past." So you start with uh, seeding it with fictional orders that do not yet exist. And from that, you create a route. And then as real orders come in, you've got an offline engine sort of swapping out the fake orders with real orders uh, and adjusting that route to, to what's happening in real time. And I think that's where we're going with this. Can this be seen as a replay of the age-old debate on private truck fleets versus dedicated contract carriage versus common carriage, tied to the idea of how important is brand. For instance, if I'm a customer and I order from, I don't know, Amazon, how important is it that a van pulls up to my house with the Amazon logo on the side of that, as opposed to UPS or FedEx or another third-party courier? I don't know. I mean, do you have any sense of, 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 of where brand will fit into this? I, I have some thoughts on that. So um, I'm not sure uh, that brand on the truck matters as much as the the actual, actual presentability of the person that makes the delivery. You, you know, you want someone that is neatly dressed, and ideally what you do is you have technology that says, this is John Smith, and you have a nice smiling picture and John Smith is going to drop off your package between 3 and 4 p.m. And I, th- I think the other thing we have to recognize is that as this evolves, it's not always going to be like UPS where they drop the package in nice suburban neighbor- neighborhoods on the porch. Um, you want time-definite deliveries in urban areas because if you leave a package in a porch in certain neighborhoods, it just gets stolen. So people want to be home when they take delivery, and certainly the presentability of, of the person that knocks on their door is important, and they also want assurance that, you know, this is the person that they're expecting. They want to see that person's picture. They want to see that name before it occurs. And so in that case, some kid who's just moving trucks around or moving packages around on the side versus a FedEx, UPS, or USPS uniformed person coming to your door, it does make a difference. It absolutely makes a difference. So that speaks to the idea that these third-party independent couriers who are already established might be in better position than some of the more, um, I don't know, guerrilla-type operations that we might see pop up in a city like San Francisco. I, I think I'm thinking more of it in terms of technology. They, they're, they're going just like UPS and FedEx have differentiated themselves on really good technology and their sorting setters and, and their routing that, that they use. I, I think you're going to need technology that sort of takes the order, uh, does the routing offline, comes back and shows a picture of the right guy. Um, you know, afterwards, the phone automatically rings and you get a short survey. Was your, was your service good? And, you know, 
um, you know, how did you feel about the guy that delivered the, the package on a one-to-five basis? And um, just closing the loop on all of this using technology that really isn't going to be that hard to adapt to this problem. Are we talking about a model that really only works well in urban centers and cities? I, I think we are, for the most part. I, I, I think you need that density to make this work. Uh, I think we're going to continue in rural areas to, to sort of be more to next day, two day, three day delivery kind of thing. So you you pointed out some interesting models. I know the U.S. Postal Service talking about their their Metro Post service, which uh, piloted in San Francisco throughout 2013 and is being extended to Manhattan this year. It could go more different different ways in terms of the model. It could be directly. Uh, from a retailer to a residence, or it could go through a sorting center or a consolidation center. So I guess both of those models are possible depending on the individual case, right? Well, Bob, you're bringing up something interesting. I hadn't heard about the Metro Post uh, service, so let me reverse. Let me be the questioner for a second. Why don't you you give us some details on Metro Post because that sounds interesting. Well, as I understand it, MetroPost was launched at the beginning of 2013 in the San Francisco Bay Area only, did not take off to any great extent as far as I know. The U.S. Postal Service uh, was basing it uh, almost strictly on e-commerce, and they were looking to uh, to kind of enact partnerships with particular e-commerce uh, retailers or e-tailers. I know 1-800-Flowers was one that uh, got on board right away. They're saying that the results weren't that great at first, but they still see a bright future, and they're looking to Manhattan next. And uh, again, I'm not sure exactly how it works in terms of what is the model. Do they use consolidation centers? Do they go direct? I think it's both. But um, I'm just wondering, you know, they're making a real bid to compete with UPS and FedEx on this same-day thing. Uh, They've got, as you point out, they've got a huge fleet of trucks and vans already. They've got skilled, trained, uniform employees and so maybe maybe they will be a player in the future. I don't know. I'd love to see them uh, both uh, deliver a valuable service and become more profitable. Yeah. Interesting you should point out, too, I, I like the idea that, you know, this has actually been going on for years and years on the pizza side. Uh, also, groceries. Uh, I recall, you know, in the uh, during the dot-com bubble, we had the web vans and the peapods, and, and now it's kind of back in the form of certain... Um, Certain brick and mortar uh, grocers like Safeway with their own trucks. I'm speaking again here in San Francisco. So, what are the challenges of a specialized type of industry such as grocery, which requires a very careful handling, uh, perishable items, and, and, and stuff like that? Is that a, a fertile area for growth, but only on a limited number of providers who can meet those challenges, do you think? And it is a, an interesting set of logistics challenges. And, um, you know, I've heard some, um, some good case studies around how companies are using their analytics to, to better deliver uh, on this stuff. So, um, you know, one of these, these grocery deliveries was one of the main reasons people got angry at them and left them is because they, they were delivering broken eggs. So they were using analytics to sort of understand uh, how many complaints per thousand eggs delivered were there complaints about the eggs being broken? And experimenting with different types of packaging and, and seeing those complaints go down and, and go down. And, and finally, someone had to brainstorm, hey, when I uh, go to a grocery store, I open it up and look to see if the eggs are broken before I, deliver, before I take it home. Are we doing that in our warehouse? And they hadn't been doing it. And so then they added that to the new packaging 
and uh, the egg complaints virtually disappeared. So um, I, I think what that speaks to is all of these models are going to need fine-tuning, just like they've had to do that fine-tuning in grocery. Do you believe that the information technology uh, is already there? I mean, you referred to Descartes and their routing solution, and certainly there are a number of other vendors who also do this. Do you think that is mature enough to support an, uh, a scaling up of same day, or are there more solutions out there that need to be fine-tuned or refined in order to make this a reality? Well, I, you know, there's certain verticals where there, there's pieces of this puzzle that have not been um, solved easily, right? So uh, one form of home delivery, it's not same-day delivery, but potentially it could be, is I want a bed delivered to my house or a washing machine, and I want you to plug it in, I want you to assemble it. And so I, I think what, we, what we're going to need to do in certain verticals is, is, is take it to labor standards, not just how long is it going to take me to get from point A to point B, but based on this product, how long am I going to have to be in the customer's house to assemble it or disassemble it and take something away? Um, you know, is this house, uh, um, you know, a suburban house or is it an eight-story, um, you know, apartment building where I might have to wait 10 minutes for the, for the elevator? So I, I think there's some work around labor standards and really understanding based on the type of, uh, of location um, how long this is likely to take in, other, in order to better improve the routing solutions that are driving some of this. It sounds so complex, but if it can be made to work, is it the final nail in the coffin of brick-and-mortar retailing, or is that too extreme a statement? I, I think it's the salvation of brick-and-mortar retailing. I don't see the big e-commerce guys um, being willing to build um, enough warehouses close enough to metropolitan areas to be able to compete with the stores that are already there. Notwithstanding Amazon's increasing presence or increasing network of distribution centers being built all over the country, even that's not enough to meet the challenge of what brick-and-mortar already has in place? Well, what Amazon is doing is they are trying to build distribution centers um, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes out from major metropolitan areas. But these are million-square-foot warehouses um, where, you know, tens of thousands of orders are dropping into waves at the same time, and they're picking the stuff, and they're routing it to doors, and it's a, it's a parcel model. Because of the, the huge volumes, it's a parcel model. It's not a courier model. I just don't think, you know, when you're holding that much inventory... Um, you're, you're ever going to be, have enough doctors to support couriers. This is a question that no one has the answer to, but I would just like your gut feeling. How far away are we in time from same-day delivery be really reaching its potential? You know, as an analyst, right, you, you, you come across certain technologies and you get enamored of them and you think, oh, this is going to, to happen overnight. So I remember e-fulfillment being discussed in the late 90s. And, uh, you know, what I thought is it would be much more widespread, much more quickly uh, than it was. But, you know, e-fulfillment had spectacular growth. It's grown year after year. Um, and, um, you know, now, 15, 20 years later, it's, no one denies its impact. I think that's what we're going to see here. I, I think we're going to see 
more and more of it year after year, and, and the growth of it's going to be much higher than other forms of retail. But, uh, you know, I think before we would say it's common everyday occurrence, it's probably, uh, you know, at least 10 years away. So much more to talk about with this, but unfortunately we're out of time. But uh, Steve Banker, thank you so much for offering your perspective on uh, this fascinating subject. Thanks for being with us. I enjoyed the conversation, Bob. Thank you. Hey, a final word from our sponsor, Kane is Able, delivering comprehensive logistics solutions for supply chain execution including labor management, warehousing and distribution, contract packaging, and transportation. To learn more, visit KaneIsAble.com. That's K-A-N-E IsAble.com. Or call 888-356-KANE. Well, that was my conversation with Steve Banker of ARC Advisory Group. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch nearly 2,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. See you next time.